Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is God is God. Now, here's Bill Amen. Pastor Ray Stedman asked the congregation why they had dismissed their pastor. And they said, well, he was always telling us we were going to hell. I said, okay, well, what does the new pastor tell you? He tells us we're always going to hell. He said, well, what's the difference? He said, when the first pastor said it, he sounded like he was happy about it. When the second pastor said it, it sounds like it breaks his heart. And when we look at the Scriptures, we need to be careful to listen for God's heart. What is God trying to tell us? Where are we going? Uh, I know that you've probably had an experience where you talk to a friend or maybe you've read an article online where somebody uh, did a topical study about something in the Bible and came to radically different conclusion than you have or maybe... The majority of Christianity has, right? Somebody does a study on marriage and determines that, you know, men should have multiple wives. And the rest of us are scratching our heads going, how did you find that in the Bible? You know? Or they read the creation story and come to the conclusion that it's a myth. You're like, how did, how did you do that, right? And so we've got to be careful when we read the Bible that we're listening for God's heart, not our heart. And not what we wanted to say, but what God wants it to say. And that's kind of what's happening here in chapter 9 in Romans. Uh, today, that's what we're talking about. The title is God is God. And Paul, up to now, has been talking about so much good stuff, and we've only scratched the surface of the good stuff. You know, salvation by faith and not by works. And I even hit the ifications. Right? I like the ifications, justification, glorification. He talked about predestination, some heavy stuff. But it's all been just great stuff. And now he starts out by letting us hear his heart a little bit. And uh, let's look and see what he says. Hopefully you've got out your sermon notes and your Bibles. Um, starting here in verse 2 and going through 3 and part of 4. It says, I have great sorrow. An unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. See, Paul's been preaching about, listen, salvation by faith, you got to believe in Jesus. And what are the Jews doing? Not us, man. We're Jews. We've been keeping the law since way back. We are Abraham's descendants. We know how to do this. And Paul's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And, and he's, he, he, he prays a prayer very similar to the one Moses prayed. I don't know if you remember. When Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, he comes down and the children of Israel are uh, dancing around the golden calf and Moses is afraid God won't forgive them. 
and says, blot my name out of the book of life so that they can be saved. Lord, forgive them. Now, I want you to think about that. That's that's an amazing prayer. That you're willing to say, I'm willing to not go to heaven so that these other people can go. I mean, that's, that's an amazing prayer. I'd be afraid to pray that prayer because God might say, okay. Okay, so Paul is really pouring out his heart here of how he feels um, for the Jewish race. And he talks about some of the advantages they've had. They've had the sonship. They've had the covenant. They've received the law. They've got ancestry through to the Messiah. And it's all great stuff. But it hasn't worked. And in verse 6 he says, this is 6 and verse 8, it says, It is not as though God's Word had failed... For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. In other words, it's not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. See, the Jews all along have been saying, Hey, we got it made, man. Abraham was our great, 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 great grandfather. I'm in. And Paul's going, no, you're not. That's not how it works. See, it's the people who are following the promise that God made to Abraham. And the Gentiles are going, thank the Lord, right? And they're having a great time, and the Jews are like, no, 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 no. And Paul's like, listen, man, this is not how it works. And there's a lot going on here that we're not going to talk about, but many Jews had had, um, accused Paul of abandoning his own people. And you're out preaching to those hideous Gentiles. And you've left us, us Jews, alone. And sometimes today the church faces accusations kind of like that. Now, they're, they're a little bit different. But how many times have you heard people say things like, you know, people are skeptical of Christians. They, they think that uh, we're judgmental. We're hypocritical. We're old-fashioned. We're out of touch. We're insensitive. Or anti-homosexual. In fact, Barna recently did a study where they talked to young people ages 16 to 29. And they all rated those categories I just gave you between 70 and 80% of them believed that was true of the church. Now, we've got to understand those things if we want to share God's love with those people. Right? And that's what Paul is doing. He is trying to understand where the Jews have come from. And he says, listen, this is not working for you. And he gives them two examples. He gives them Sarah and Rebecca. Perfect examples for Mother's Day. Amen? Sarah, as you know, right, um, has a child when she's like 100 years old. And, and there's, there's no chance that that was random 
that it just happened, right? That is a supernatural event. We got anybody here who's 100 years old? No. I don't want to ask who's closest because, you know. <laughs> but, you know, think about somebody you might know, your grandma, your nana, somebody who, who's getting up to 100 years old. Can you imagine her having another child? No. Right? I think of, you know, the age I currently am, which is a long ways from 100, even though you might think differently. I couldn't begin to think of having another kid now, right? So this is a supernatural event that God caused to happen. And it was God's promise. And then he talks about um, Rebecca, who has um, the twins, Jacob and Esau. Remember? And God chooses the younger one, Jacob, as his special chosen one before they are born. Before they ever have a chance to come out and we see what their character are, before they behave a certain way, before they act a certain way, God chooses Jacob. And he says, the older one will serve the younger one. And later on in 2 Samuel, we see the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, serve Israel for a time. And that comes true. Okay? And he gives us these examples to talk about. One thing i got to say, if you read this, this text, which I'm skipping over right now, but when you get to your small groups, in there it says, I hated Esau. That is the worst translation in the Bible, in my opinion. Because the original words to them would have been more like, I chose Jacob and I did not choose Esau. It's not that he hated Esau. okay? He just didn't choose him. And somehow that's been translated a little bit incorrectly, in my opinion. But anyway, um, so... You know, Paul gives these two examples, and then he goes on in verses 14, and he says, What shall we say then? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And who are you to tell me what to do? If you read between the lines. Right? God says, listen, I'm God, and I can choose to have compassion on who I want to have compassion and mercy on who I want to have mercy. And he's not saying, okay, you get compassion, and you get compassion, and you, you're out, buddy. Okay, you get mercy, you get mercy, but you, no. He's showing compassion and mercy on everybody, not just the Israelites. And God says, I can show compassion on anybody I want to show compassion on. God is God. Right? And God can't be unfair if God is perfect. And God can't show favoritism if God is perfect. We believe God is perfect, so what He does is perfect and good. And we look at the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, and we hear the story of Pharaoh hardens his heart. It's a term we use when you kind of turn away from God, you harden your heart. 
And Pharaoh hardens his heart. And God tries to soften his heart. And Pharaoh hardens his heart. And back and forth it goes. Till eventually God leaves his heart hard. He says, forget it. I'll deal with you another way. And he wipes out the entire army. By the way, Egypt was a world power at the time and has not ever since. God really dealt with them. Okay? And God doesn't make Pharaoh's heart hard. Sin makes Pharaoh's heart hard. And God's judgment is the result of sin. Right? So, and, and the result of this action that happens is people across that whole region of the world heard what God had done. Right? I mean, let's face it. When the seas to the, the, the waters of the Red Sea part and people walk across it and the world's best army gets swallowed up, that, that made the six o'clock news. Right? People heard about that. People talked about that. People heard what God had done. Verse 18, he says, Therefore, God has mercy on whom He wants to have mercy, and He hardens whom He wants to harden. Right? And God's not unfair. If He makes your heart hard, it's because you are holding on to sin and not following Him. Right? God just doesn't randomly pick you out and go, all right, you in the sixth row. you got a hard heart. You're out. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. And Paul spends a lot of time trying to get this in our heads as he goes along, and you'll see this in your small groups more. Verse 19 and 20, he says, One of you will say to me, Then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist His will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Okay? Now Paul's not talking about people that are honestly asking questions. Because when you're searching, you're honestly asking questions. Is this true? Is this real? What's going on? He's not talking about that. He's talking about the people that are looking for an excuse, trying to get out of it. Saying, well, God made me so I'm going to sin, and made a law that I couldn't keep, and so what's the point? doesn't matter anyway. Paul says, no, 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 no. Who are you to blame God? Right? He goes on in verse 21 and says, Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? When you were growing up, how many of you had your mom had special dishes? Right? Anybody? Special dishes? Right? And you knew you were eating good when you came home and the special dishes were on the table. 
You didn't know it was mom and dad's anniversary. You didn't know. It didn't matter. The special dishes were on the table. We were eating good tonight. Right? You could not have peanut butter and jelly on the special dishes. Right? It was just for special stuff. And Paul says, listen, the, the, the potter has a lump of clay. And he makes something special. And he makes some things common. And that's his choice. Does the clay get to argue? Say, I want to be one of the special dishes. No. It's decided by the potter. God is God. And he has the right to choose as he chooses. And we hate that. We don't, that's not our first inclination, right? We want to be large and in charge. We want to know what's going on. We want to have say, God is God. And we are not God. Right? So much of our, our society these days puts us as we're the important one. It's all about me. Watch out for me. Take care of me. I'm number one. And God says, no, no. God is number one. God will deal with people as He wants to deal with people. He will show mercy to who He wants to show mercy. The good news is, God wants to show mercy to everybody. It's up to us whether we want it or not. That's the good news. All right, last one. Trying to hurry. Verses 30 through 32. It says, what then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith? But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Right? The Gentiles find righteousness how? By faith. Somebody comes to them and says, listen, you got to believe on Jesus and it's by faith you're saved. They're like, sounds good to me. And they're on board. But they go to the Jews and they say, you got to believe by faith. And they go, no, we don't. we got the law. And they're still trying to earn salvation by works. Paul goes, no, you can't do that. And he compares the cross to a big stone. Now, big stones are useful sometimes. Right? You want a big stone for your cornerstone in your house. It holds the weight. It's the big stone. It's useful. But if you don't know how to use it, what's it good for? Nothing. Tripping over. 
and they stumbled over the stumbling stone. They could not deal with the cross. And they couldn't accept it. And there was this great truth that was worth a lot. It had value. But they didn't recognize it and didn't know what to do with it. And it becomes a stumbling stone instead of a cornerstone. Not where you want to be. Not where you want to be. I don't know how many of you had this experience. Maybe it was you became a Christian and somebody told you all the things you're supposed to do and don't do and Christians do this and they don't do that and we should do this. And, and at one point you must have said, oh my goodness, never going to make this. There's no way. And somewhere Paul's going, he got it. There's no way. You can't do it. Right? It's by faith. Jesus did it. You don't have to do it. That's like the best news ever. How many of you would like to go to work Monday and you think, all right, I got all this work I got to do Monday? You get there and it's done already. So he says, you don't have to do it. That guy did it already. Right? Do your happy dance, right? But this is so much bigger than that. This is salvation. And somebody comes along and says, you have to do nothing. He did it already. We ought to be doing the happy dance. Right? Praise God. Praise God. It's not by works. It's not by what you do. It's by the cross. Don't let that valuable thing become a stumbling stone instead of a cornerstone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much. Thank You so much for what You've done for us, Lord. Because we couldn't have done the work. We had the law for many, 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 many years, and we couldn't do it. So thank You so much for Your plan and Jesus that executed the plan for us, Lord. And now all we have to do is accept it by faith, Lord. Help us to have the courage to do that because it takes courage to relinquish what we think is control of our lives and give that over to you. Lord, but it's such a better way. Help us to have the eyes to see that, Lord. Help us to have the hearts that you have, that we care about the precious souls around us, Lord, and we're doing all we can do to drag them along with us. Be with us now, Lord, and we ask a special blessing on our mothers today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.